Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and on this podcast, I chat with leaders from all walks of life to discuss their journey, the lessons they've learned, and advice they have so that we can all level up our health, wealth, and happiness. You see, I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be striving to realize our potential with the one life that we have. Let's not overcomplicate it because it's not that deep. This week's guest is Charles Paquin, CEO of Air Traffic Media. Not only is Charles an advertising strategist and audio creative maestro, but he's also a professional voiceover artist who has done work for some notable companies such as TELUS, RBC, and Royal Lepage. And you see, this is all really just the tip of the iceberg. Charles's story is mind-blowing. He turned his passion for music into a career working in the military as a conductor, a music conductor, that is. He then pivoted and became a pilot, and today holds a position at the Department of National Defense while also running his own advertising agency. An expert in marketing and advertising solutions, Charles founded Air Traffic Media on the idea that businesses should expand their digital marketing portfolio beyond just Facebook, Instagram, and Google ads to also include the heavily underutilized mediums of Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Pandora ads, just to name a few. This podcast is produced by Deep Digital Media. Our mission is to create captivating content. Drop us a line today at connect at deepdigitalmedia.ca for help building, managing, and promoting your own podcast, video series, online course, and so much more. I invite you to join me on this journey of leveling up by heading over to my website, it's not that deeppodcast.com, to check out more content like this. Please enjoy today's episode and just remember, it's not that deep. Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, Charles. Hi, Deepak. Um, I'm super excited to have you here, man. I wish it, it could be under better circumstances and you could be here in my studio. Uh, but we got to work with the with what we got, right? <laughs> stay healthy. Um, exactly. Stay healthy and keep your keep your social distance, right? Exactly. Um, before we dive in, I'm going to give the people a little bit of an intro of, about you, who you are. You're first and foremost uh, an audio creative mastermind. You're a seasoned voiceover artist who's done work for Canadian household names such as TELUS, Scotiabank, CBC Radio, and HomeSense, just to name a few. Uh, you're an advertising strategist and uh, the founder and CEO of Air Traffic Media, a global digital marketing agency built for streaming audio ad platforms. Now, that's like just a portion of some of the really cool, amazing things you've done and are currently doing. So really excited to have you here, man. Likewise. Thank you for the <laughs> intro. Lovely. <laughs> No, hundred percent, man. Like, I'm so glad that I've, I've I've met you because you know I've never found that I'm uh, that great at all things audio. But you're kind of on the other other edge of that sword. You you're passionate about it from a young age. Uh, you know you you've you've been you know everything about audio. You've you were always exploring it, and you have a very interesting story that kind of led you to creating air traffic media and doing all the things that you do today. Why don't we like give the people a little bit of a backstory on what that what that story is, and you know when was it first that you knew that you know audio is something that fascinates you? For as far as I can remember. Um... Music and audio has always been part of my life. So from for as far as I can 
recall I do remember myself playing on a little toy piano when I was really really young and uh, one thing led to another my parents bought me an electronic keyboard and then a an audio a tape audio recorder for some of you that knows what that is uh, an audio cassette that you plug in in a small um a tape recorder that I would use with a microphone to record my little br- my younger brother that was quite young at the, uh, at the time but I was always experimenting with all these with I'm, I'm I love technology but especially with audio I was being I was played with audio trying to record stuff from the television you know uh, with the microphone or trying to have wires connected between the the sound system the stereo system that was hooked to the, the television and trying to record stuff or music jingles or uh, music introductions to you know, my favorite tv shows and then taking my tape recorder and learning by ear how to play it on my on my keyboard on my piano so um, audio was has always been part of my life so and you know as i grew up uh, the, the tape recorder became a bigger tape recorder a bigger keyboard and uh, you know i started playing music in in in, in grade school and secondary school uh, high school and where did where'd you go to school i was in in uh, quebec city um in quebec so uh, grew up there until you know the age of uh, You know, I've, I've been there pretty much all my life until I joined the Canadian Forces, and uh, then I was posted uh, in, different, in various locations, predominantly in Quebec City, but started moving about in the country when I joined, uh, I transferred to the Air Force um, as an officer, as, as a pilot student, and... Um, But yeah, music has was always been there. I've been, you know, I, I did my degree in music uh, and uh, never really stopped playing instruments, uh, except lately because, you know, the business has taken over most of my free time now. So um, still a member of the Canadian Forces, but still um, very interested in, in growing this business, this uh, new business that I created. Uh, voiceover only a few years ago that I started doing more of that uh, 2016 which is almost uh, well 2015 so only a year after I moved to Ottawa from Quebec City and uh, yeah I started experimenting with microphones in my home and a pile of blankets and uh, good gear and uh, yeah you can work from home now and it seems It seems uh, strange uh, back then, but you know now it's kind of the new normal. But hopefully for not very long. But uh, it it's not as uh, it's not a big change for me in terms of working from home. That uh, and I'm I'm very lucky. I understand that some entrepreneurs don't have that luxury, and uh, my thoughts are with them. But uh, it's it's fun how we can now have a, a, a gig from home and do stuff that is related to audio, especially in the voiceover, um, which led to uh, my 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 passion to do uh, marketing using audio as well. Uh, And out of frustration from not booking enough voiceover gigs, I was also uh, interested in, in the, the marketing aspect and the advertising aspect, and um, which goes back to a couple of years ago when Spotify, which is a service that I'm using, uh, was uh, 
as a free member, you, you, you hear advertising, obviously, and uh, it's not the only platform that does that. You know, it's, it's also on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, you hear advertising over there as well. So I was trying to combine both of my passions for voiceover. I'm, I'm saying, well, okay, maybe there's, uh, these voices have been recorded somewhere. So instead of just providing one service and saying business ABC is my target audience or my target, you know, base of clients who uh, are only purchasing voiceover, why not expand that range and say, well, I'm not, no, I'm no longer only serving uh, e-learning companies or advertising uh, agencies that are looking for voiceover uh, artists to, to record some some advertising. Now I'm doing everything. I'm 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 also the the advertising agency. I'm also the the creative behind the advertising itself. So I guess, uh, and then there was a the, this 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 door opening from Spotify saying now uh, we we can um, let agencies. Uh, do their own buying of media so that's what I do so I, it's it's a full service where you can any company or any brand can come to me and and my team and we build a full solution for them from from the marketing aspect is it relevant for for what the, the type of business we do consulting we do the, the ad creative we do the media spend the media buy on Spotify and we measure results so in a nutshell that's okay. what gave birth to air traffic media that's really interesting man your story is incredible and there's a lot to unpack there um you know from from you know being young and being just obsessed with all things audio to then like military where did that even come from like we have, we have a lot to kind of dive in before we even talk air traffic media but i do love everything about what's built up to you creating that company and i could tell just how passionate you are about audio we're gonna get into all that but let's just slow slow things down and take it one step back and kind of give people the whole uh rundown of you know what your involvement was in the armed forces and and, and uh you know your story from there sure um so i, I suppose that um that idea came from I had a, a few friends of mine that I was always like I mentioned I was always involved with uh, playing in the the high school bands and and stage band and and uh, symphony bands and all the bands that you could think of I I joined them all and uh, a lot of musicians or other people uh, in my group were also in the cadets back when I was a, a teenager and I kind of started associating with these people at around 15 years old and it was kind of too late for me to join the cadets people normally join when they're 12 and i mean some people join later on in in their teenage but they're also with people that are younger than them so i think socially it would have been socially awkward for me to join when i was 15 and go back to the the, the basic ranks you know lower lower ranks and be stuck with with 12 year 12 year olds um so it was not a, a good social decision to do back then uh for numerous okay. numerous reasons so i thought i i kind of postponed that idea but when i was 18 19 years old i said maybe i could become like a cadet instructor and 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 i was already 
well advanced in my my music uh, tuition back uh, back then, and I was contemplate already contemplating continuing my music studies in uh, in college and university back, uh, at the time. So uh, I was you know everything was uh, music related in my life. So I was so the idea of to to join the military was. Uh, given me to me by yeah, one of my friends that was in cadets back then and say maybe you could be uh, like a music instructor for the cadets um, so instead of doing that I joined the the naval reserve in Quebec City um, as a initially I wanted to be a, a director of music so you're 19 years old and you already, you already want to to be the you know not not join as a musician but i was interested in in conducting back then so i wanted to join as a conductor but the the re recruiting office said to me well you know what there's only one director of music for the the military band here at the unit so y you might be waiting for that position for 10 or 15 years who knows when right. when the the current conductor will take a you know uh, will be retired. So, but if you want to join the navy, uh, we can, we have plenty of space. Uh, if you want to be a maritime surface um, operations officer, and uh, so essentially those who eventually become the captain of warships. So I said, uh, yeah, sure. I need a summer job. I'm 19 years old, and you know, there's a strong um, appeal for me to. Uh, go away from home for the first time for for three months or four months at the time and go do my recruit course in Victoria BC. So right. that was already very interesting for me. So that so I joined, um, served as a maritime surface uh, operations officer for three years, and then came the opportunity to become a director of music because the okay. conductor was retiring. So that's when I joined the military as a music director. A couple of years later, I finished my degree in music, and like many people finishing the, their degree in music, if they're not teachers, then what? Yeah, um, what now? <laughs> what now? So I was already yeah. in Quebec City, where the headquarters to the uh, Naval Reserve is. So I said, maybe, maybe there's a full-time job for me there, not necessarily a musician, but maybe as a uh, administration officer. And that's what I did for a couple of years. So. I was offered a, a job doing numerous um, staff officer positions uh, for grievance, for policy review and everything. And, and, um, and then came the passion of, of flying aircraft. Mm -hmm. Can you hear that noise? I do hear it. Stupid cats. I'll be right back. <laughs> All good, man. All good. <laughs> Great. Where to go from there? <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, man. I got my water here. But yeah. What was I saying? Um, flying. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll just dive right back in. But yeah. So you were just kind of talking about, you know, then how that led you into wanting to get into aviation. Right. So aviation, yes, um, 
I was always a, a flight simulator fan from 20 years old, uh, when I was 20 years old. All the flight sim, Microsoft flight sim, got the joystick, everything. Uh, just one of my, my hobbies, really. And uh, in 2005, my, one of my best friends started flying with the objective to become a, a, an airline pilot. And I said, that's pretty wicked. And I kind of, you know, I, I, you know at, at 25 years old and you're making, you know, four times the, the salary that people are doing when they get, they get out of the university at 25 years old or, or younger, um, you're, you're building considerable wealth already and you don't know what, how to spend that money. So I started flying myself. So I did my, my private pilot license, and which eventually led me to do all the commercial nice. uh, pilot license, uh, ground school and flying. So I was building my uh, time. Let me just hold you right there. So like, like uh, getting into that though, getting into like getting your your private license, like this is not a cheap endeavor, right? Like it's not it's not something you just like overnight. Like yeah, let me just just ah you know what? let me just pick this up. Like it's not like getting a motorcycle license or something like right. that. Like, you're flying aircraft, right? So 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 making that investment, like what were you what were you weighing? What were some of the the decision criteria uh, other than it just being cool, you know, and something you wanted to do? Well, I was uh, you know I didn't back then I, I didn't even think I would be in the Canadian forces for that long so for me it was a transition period it was for me the the opportunity to, to say well okay I'm, I I cannot go an airline pilot without building some time so I better start when I get the you know the the good salary in the in the Canadian forces and I can go from there so for me that was just like a way to um you know, find satisfaction in that very great passion of mine of flying. So it was pretty cool. And you're right. It's a very expensive endeavor, um, especially if you're going commercial, because you need 200 at minimum 200 uh, hours of flight time before you even consider to do the uh, to get the, the, the license. So 200 hours at $150 an hour flying aircraft, a small aircraft, a small Cessna, that's pretty expensive. So you need to, <laughs> unless you have a, a, you know, your banker really likes you and gives you a loan for, for 50 grand, you know, uh, it's going to be very expensive. So you need to spread it out. Well, you know, you go, you try to go flying every week, you know, you spend $150 uh, that's apart from the, the flight instructor that needs to sit next to you as well. So it's almost too, well, back then, I don't know, it's probably more expensive now or less expensive, depending if the, the fuel is, it's not very, it's pretty cheap right now. So I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a very expensive um, hobby at first. And then if you turn it to, into an investment for your future, some of that can be uh, considered as, um, an expense uh, for a professional career, and you can offset some of that cost to the to your uh, to your tax and inc your income tax. So it wasn't too bad, but it was, it was not everything. And I still, you know, have some accu accumulated debt from from trying to be a, a commercial pilot back then. Fair enough. What was the next like pivot point then from there? Um, 
so as much as I wanted to make that my next step, my next transition into my 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 career, um, I knew back then that I wouldn't be selected. I mean, it. it I think it was for me. Um, I never thought I, I could make it as a military pilot um, because back then I was wearing glasses and I, I do again today, but I, in 2008, I got the, the LASIK surgery. So I still have a 2020 vision. I wear glasses for, for computers and, you know, I'm just too lazy to not wear them and meet them okay. wherever I go. So I wear them all the time, which is probably a bad idea. Um, <laughs> but um but back then, it was not possible to either not have a perfect vision or go undergo a, a, la a laser surgery for, for eyes. It was not, you know, an option. So you had to have perfect vision naturally or you can get in as a pilot in the Canadian Forces. So yeah. it, that was already crossed out in my mind. So I, I, I already accepted that this was not a way for me to continue as a pilot. So, uh, but the rule changed in 2009. So back then I was still accumulating my, my time to get out of the Canadian Forces, but that tugged me back um, into wanting to stick around and see if there was a place for me to, to do that. So I put in my my voluntary occupational transfer request and it took 16 months before they approved it because there were the oh, there was wow. the the training system is so um slow in the way that yeah, there's such a, a a big backlog they they recruited too many people in that trade and there's only so many people that it can that can go through the training system at any given point and it's not like a, a course that you can follow uh, in a school, um, sitting on a, uh, yes, there's ground school, but there's also flying, uh, involved. Um, and not every day is a good way is a good day to fly, unfortunately. And they're not going to send you up there if, if there's a snowstorm. Right. No, I, I, that's, 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 it's incredible. And what's like kind of blowing my mind about all this is that all these different pursuits and different parts of your journey don't seem all that related they seem kind of like you know a musician you know a, a, a conductor you know i want to fly planes work, right. work for the military this like they don't seem connected but as we as we know they are all very connected and it it has led you to creating air traffic media right now let's let's dive in a little bit further first uh even before that what kind of then led you into the voiceover world? Because that's another door that you then open. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I've got this pretty cool. I've got a British voice that people here in Canada really like. And, uh, you know, this is I can use this to what well, like what was the what was the I guess what I'm really trying to ask was what was the catalyst to be like, you know what? I could do voiceover now, too. <laughs> There's a thing we call in the military called uh, being voluntold to do something. <laughs> So in absence of volunteers, people, you know, your, your senior officer will say, you, <laughs> you do that. So you're being voluntold to do that. Um, and uh, back in 07 or yeah, 2008 and nine is when I was in, in Valcartier, Quebec. I, I was doing, um, that's before the Air Force time. So I was, um, I was in the public affairs department. It's back in the... Afghanistan war years when we had troops uh, 
abroad, and um, and I was I was hired as a public affairs officer assistant. Uh, I was I was the assistant to the public affairs officer on on the base because there was also a lot of media requests and we were quite busy and um, I, th there were a few ceremonies as well uh, for change of commands for example that's usually a big a very big military gathering and um, I was voluntold to be the, the master of ceremony one time and because I do have. Uh, perfect fluency in both languages um except for the very annoying british accents when i speak english but i have essentially no accent when i speak french either so they said well you're a good fit for for that kind of job so we'll use you as a uh, uh, a, a master ceremony here's your script good luck and at the time i was kind of i'm a bit of an introvert by nature it doesn't come across um when i I'm on an interview, I can pretend that I'm not an intro introvert, but <laughs> being in front of a crowd, maybe that's, you know, being a musician and being on stage so often, you know, you build immunity towards that kind of stress to be on a stage right. show, but now you're all alone, right? So it's, you've got the podium, you've got the, the dais, you're on the dais with the microphone and you just uh, read a script. So. Fortunately enough, that that was all scripted, so I didn't have to improvise or anything because that would have been, that would have been quite tragic. <laughs> <laughs> so from you know from the years, and I was always known as the guy that can do voiceover and 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 being MC for for master for um, for ceremonies like that. So um, f from that one day where I was volunteered to do something, uh, came a lot of 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 future um, occasions for me to do the same job and at some point you know right. it was coming uh, more and more often and people always come to see me after the ceremony and say well great job uh, are you doing are you doing this professionally and I said no I, I said that for about 10 years and then I, I just you know I, I just accepted that might be maybe there is something that to be, to be done so when I, w I moved to Ottawa I moved yeah. to Ottawa and I found a voice coach that was able to help me get into the business and find some some paid work. Um, so she, I went through the whole course, 14 weeks, three, we th three hours per week. Um, and uh, yeah, so since then I've been a voiceover artist and work from home and uh, yeah, it's all interconnected. So eventually you gave in and you leaned into what you're really good at uh but you know what i kind of want to ask you is do you do you genuinely enjoy it the voiceover part or i do i do Just actually the, the voiceover. um yeah. the, it, it's such um it's such an interesting um workflow is not the right term it's it's such a it's it's the process maybe the process the the client seeking portion you know um it, it's such a diverse ecosystem you can find work pretty much everywhere and there are platforms that you can pay for on online to just find work more easily but you still need to audition for these gigs and you might not be selected so you're paying 400 dollars per year to be part of that platform maybe it increases your chance to you don't need to market yourself you need you don't need a website you can just connect and audition uh, and if you're good, you, you're getting selected. But, you know, when there's 45 
other candidates for that same gig, you know, to to make a hundred dollars. It's it's an interesting kind of concept uh, to try to get some work from from these websites it will work at some point but it, and it's a numbers game i auditioned 255 auditions before i got my first job on that platform and um wow my my and 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 it's it's fine i mean along the way i was learning how to love the process of you know finding a script for me it was a learning experience not a I was not doing it for the money. I, I was doing right. it because I was genuinely enjoying it, going to my studio, yeah. recording a voiceover, sending the audition. And obviously I got better at, at doing <coughs> it. So eventually I got you know, hired more often. And these clients were coming back to me and say, we really like what you did the last time. So instead of going through the portal again to hire more people or different, a different voice, that guy I want for my next project. So I was getting emails instead. So that's how I built my, my client base by just right. uh, doing a, a good job on the, the first auditions. And then they are. Well, that's really they powerful. Call yeah. That's really powerful what, what you just mentioned, right? Because it's a lot of what people don't want to a lot of people these days don't want to come to terms with the fact that um it is very much a process and you have to enjoy that process you know before you can reap any rewards or benefit for the most part i mean you could get you could have gotten lucky and someone could have picked you out of a hat and hey we like this guy's voice here's this contract for this dream job for, but that doesn't really happen you mentioned 255 auditions I bet most people you walk down the street, you know, or, you know, most people who are even, you know, say they're interested in voiceover or, you know, they're hearing this interview right now and they're like, you know what, voiceover, I, I, people have told me I have a good voice. Like, why don't I go do this? Mm -hmm. They may not be willing to do the 255, you know, rejections, if you will, or like not successes before seeing anything. And so that's something, that's something to be proud of, man. That's something to be like you know you actually it's like what gary v and a lot of these people preach so much it's like you know trust the process like fall in love with the process and you know you, you will reap the rewards exactly so that, that's really cool man and at some point you don't need to to work to get that you know that client base because they they're still with you and that that initial investment of being that on that platform paid off many years later and still pays to, to this day. I still have clients that I found on these platforms that are still hiring me for voiceover work, for e-learning, for companies like Honda or like you mentioned, Telus or Kudo or all the big banks in Canada. They do all, all the e-learning stuff and it's even more relevant these days because yeah. people don't go in no class. Choice. <laughs> they, they, yeah. So e-learning is, uh, is a good market right now. It's... it's uh, it's blooming and it's booming. That's so powerful, man, because, you know, it's and it's not to say that you're doing this for the money, but you'll never be able you'll never run out of opportunities while you still enjoy this space and while you're still doing this, because there will always be a need for what you're doing. And I I find it so interesting because, you know, before I met you, I've, I haven't given a single thought to the voiceover world and like that that niche that 
that space. It was just something that, you know, maybe I'm like, oh, you know what? This person on this TELUS ad or this thing, you know, it's, it's got a pretty good voice. That's that's about it. Right. That's maybe like the, the most I've ever thought about it in my life. But there's a whole world out there. And, and, you know, you mentioned you took the time and made the investment on your own to refine your skills and and get that get that speaking coach to learn you know the skills that you needed because going from being voluntold and doing something kind of just off the cuff kind of like the way i'm doing a podcast you know is very different than somebody who gets the actual coaching and learns how to actually do the things and oh yeah i was doing this wrong and you know you were mentioning one tip to me uh earlier about the the breathing technique and mm. you know i i'm sure this is something that you've just learned over the years but why don't you share with people some like of the top techniques you've learned in this voiceover game that can just help s this speech in general you know even if it's not just for voiceover Right. My gosh. Quite the ambush here. <laughs> I was not prepared for that oh, question. Yeah, um, it's not that you deep, know, bro. <laughs> I am, I'm one of the worst voiceover artists. I don't do warm ups. Uh, I know that's, you know, I, I went through that course with Shelly Cohen in, in Ottawa, um, vocal dynamo. Um, um, she, she's, she's wonderful. She, I mean, she's got quite the technique down and everything and all the, all the, almost the, the meditation before you go in the booth. And, um, it may be there's, I know there's a, vir a virtue doing that and being all, all the, doing all the stretching, all the, 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 the breathing exercise before you go in and, and I just don't do them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maybe that, that could be a tip that could be a tip for someone don't don't, don't overthink it just go right. in <laughs> I, I think you need to find you know what works for you and maybe it's a it's a bad idea sometimes i do feel like oh i didn't do i didn't do any warm-ups and it's it's important you know to to, to warm up that that vocal that, that vocal box that you have it's an instrument right you don't go um play in a concert without playing you know rehearsing a little bit you know before the concert happens you, you're you're backstage yeah. and you're playing a few chords you're getting the you know the fingers and and the breathing all in yeah. so you don't play a football game but without warming up and getting exactly. the blood flowing exactly yeah. same same kind of thing for voiceover and uh, maybe it's a terrible terrible idea not to do all the warm-ups and sometimes i do feel it because when you're doing a 30 second commercial that's one thing but when you're doing a an e-learning project and you have 2500 words or 5000 words to to record in one day that's going to take you know that's quite a marathon and you need proper warm ups before you go and cuz at the end you're quite ruined you know your voice right. is is destroyed <laughs> and it's it's painful so without any proper warm-up techniques, then y you're just going to suffer more, right? Because you weren't prepared for that, to put that strain on on you. But, um, you know... Okay, well then, I'll, how about I ask you this then? What are some of the, the challenges that you do face with, with this kind of work? Uh, because, you know, on paper, it sounds like, like a dream gig for a lot of people. Hey, mm. I get to work from home. Right. I, I'm just using my voice and just speaking into a microphone. Right. It doesn't, doesn't sound that hard, but why don't you tell us some of the, the challenges with it? 
I think initially, if you go back many years ago, it was the challenge was to, if that's something that you were con contemplating uh, as a career, you had to be an announcer. You had to work already in a, a radio station or a television station. That's what you needed to be. And then uh, over the years, you you saw the birth of agencies that were finding more talent to record more stuff with different kind of voices that would not be necessarily a radio announcer. And uh, but they would still need to be called in, t in these radio stations because otherwise there was no um, uh, places where you could go to record all this. So you had to find a recording studio or a music recording studio to do all that. But it has changed so much lately. You know, everyone can have access to very relatively uh, excellent, or relatively cheap equipment and work from home. But that has you know, it's easier for you if you want to do it right now because you've got all the equipment. But that yeah. means that all of a sudden you've got a million more people that wants to do that because it's easy because they have access to the same kind of very uh, pro-grade material uh, right. gear they can, you know, just put in a in a wardrobe somewhere at, at home and, and work from there. So right. It's easier, but there's also infinitely more competition for you. So I think the challenge is there. It's to be competitive in a very competitive world um, um, and find new creative ways to find clients. Um, you know, it's... I think it's you need to when when when, you, when we're talking about falling in love with the process, it's not just the the actual recording in the booth and editing on your software that you need to be in love with. It's also um, it's also being um, a, a very effective salesman or marketer in what you do. Uh, right. If you read anything by by uh, Russell Brunson, the the ClickFunnel. Uh, if you're familiar with Gary Vee, and you, you, at some point you'll probably run into uh, Russell Brunson. Um, he's uh, he's saying if if you if you're if you're doing pastries and if you're a baker, for example, and you've got a baking business, you need to not only love the the skill and the craftsmanship be behind making the cake, you also need to be falling in love with selling the cake. And at some point, you need you almost need to be more in love with selling the cake than making the cake, and that's that really mm -hmm. struck that really struck me a couple of years ago when I read that in in one of his books, and uh, I said that is so true. I mean, if I, I as much as I love recording voiceover and and uh, and creating advertising when I'm doing uh, Spotify campaigns with with Air Traffic Media. I'm not only in love with the process of, of creating that ad, I'm also in love with the, the process of, 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 of talking about that opportunity to business owners and brands to such an Putting extent. Putting it out there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think you need to be an expert at selling what you do as well. Um, right. Otherwise because you, you could be a master at your craft. But exactly. it doesn't matter if no one knows about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's very that's very true and very powerful, man. That's a great segue for us to actually then go into and, and talk a little bit about your passion as well for marketing and advertising. Where did this come from? It, it, it amidst all of these different things that you're doing. Yeah. Where did where did the where did the 
the interest spark? Was it always there? Um, no, I, I think it's by accident, really. Uh, one day you're trying to to think about, you know, okay, I'm I'm doing this really cool stuff now. How am I going to let people know about that? You know, you're, you're trying to find new new ways to to find a market for what you do and what you love because gigs are not going to come to you automatically so it's either you pay for a service where you can promote your services or you do it on your own and that's the long way and that's the the hard way and yeah. i have a track record for liking <laughs> to do things that are not easy um being a conductor <laughs> being a military pilot being a uh, an agency a marketing and advertising agency owner um so i guess it, it was it was more an uh, being a freelancer as a voiceover artist led me to to be more interested in clicking likes on on things that were that was catching my eye when i was browsing through facebook and i saw okay there's a there was this new thing called, you know, uh, freelancing. Uh, yeah, it always existed, but it seems like to me, I was all of a sudden I was more exposed to people who were doing that as copywriters, for example, mm -hmm. uh, people who are writing, who are writing, assembling words that mean something to to people that are being right. paid good money in a, in, in a persuasive fashion that's actually going to increase sales for your company. Exactly. So. I always kind of loved writing as well, not as a you know as a fiction writer, but you know trying to get the the message across. So I, I always write way too long emails anyway. And uh, but I mean, I I always had this 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 uh, this uh, preoccupation is not the right word, but this this um, this internal voice that because. I, probably because of my introvertedness, because I feel like I'm, I can communicate more information through writing and being more deliberate, putting the words uh, together on a piece of paper or, or on, on, on an email saying, well, I need to cover every possible questions that, my, that people might have. And that's, the, that's exactly what long form copywriting is. You build, you know, you, you've right. probably came across these these web pages where you can scroll for about 120 pages. The point is that they don't they they don't expect you to read everything, but every two pages you you got a button that says, okay, you can click that and purchase that product right now. Why is that why is it that way? Because they know that the second you got enough information to make your purchase deci purchasing decision, you're going to click that button which is going to lead you to the, the checkout page. So yeah, man, I'm thinking of so many times that's gotten me. Right? And, so and this is I and I know this stuff. Yeah. And and, and I, it's it's gotten me where it's like I there's something in particular I want. This is positioned in a way where it's hitting all the things I want. I didn't even read all the copy. I'm like, boom, sign me up. Right. Take, take my credit card information. Let's go. They, Let's get this thing going. And that, that's the that's one way you can see the the, the 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 copy funnel is that you know if you you always start with the 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 elements that will make people the greatest number of people uh, the greatest number of people that don't need a lot of arguments to buy what you have to buy. So if for example I'm I'm selling. Uh, 
advertising campaigns for Spotify, my, my headline has to be advertise on Spotify, right? Because if I've got someone who's on, on the hunt for, for, to, to, to find a solution to advertise on Spotify, what are they going to search? <laughs> they're going to search, uh, how can I advertise on Spotify? So my, my headline on the website is advertise on Spotify because I want to be uh, starting with people who are not only problem aware, they are solution aware and they, they know what, I, what they're looking for exactly. So I want to be able to offer my service to people who want to advertise on Spotify. But for those who don't who need more information before they, they can get going, how much it costs, how much, you know, how much time does it take? Um, can, the, can you do the ad yourself? Yeah, I'm going you know, to funnel down this information. And then at some point, they, people, you're only left with people who needs to have you know, ex, you know, a lot of information on how it worked. Uh, for other campaigns, I need case studies. So that's when you, you know, at the bottom of your of your pages, that's when you started to integrate uh, other other people's stories and say, well, right. it worked well for these people. And so, you know, with the with your business, you found something that a lot of people are not exploiting right now. Uh, quite simply, because and and well, let's let's take a step back before that even. Let's let's talk to people about how this medium of the Spotify ads, the uh, you mentioned Pandora, iHeartRadio, you know, if you're not paying for the premium level service on these platforms, there are hundreds of millions of people still using these platforms as a freemium uh, model yeah. who are choosing to listen to the ads. Because they don't actually know choosing is not the right word. They don't have a choice, right? But to hear these ads. So why don't you talk us through a little bit of that and uh, and tell us how you found a way for businesses and podcasts and musicians to then use that to promote their own thing. So initially, I was uh, I was listening to you know my content, my music content on Spotify, and now more and more I'm using it to, for for my my heavy podcast consume. <laughs> uh consumption habits um yeah. but uh, initially and i'm still using both the free and the pre the, the 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 paid version for for many reasons because i want to be understanding what's what the market is doing and what kind of advertising is being uh how spotify is using advertising um and how other businesses are using advertising on spotify but um yeah, you're correct uh, so spotify pandora iheart radio tune in soundcloud all these platforms uh, have a paid subscription version where you know you get rid of the ads or you stay there for free and you're exposed to, to advertising right um, which seems to be annoying some people but I mean if you're annoyed and you don't want to pay for it you know there, there's a problem there um, the good thing about how these platforms are using advertising is it's a much more um, respectful, way to serve advertising to their 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 audience because uh, it's all we call it programmatic so we're using a program to serve ads to the right people the same way that you serving ads to the right people on facebook or or instagram your 
advertising experience on Spotify is going to be way different than mine because right. you don't you live in a different city than I am. You're not mm. necessarily in the same age group that I am. Uh, your interests are not the same as well. The, the music that you listen to is not is not. Um, so Spotify is gathering all this this anonymous data on on each user and it uses that for to, to serve ads that are more relevant to you. Um, so they, they opened up the platform, the advertising platform. It used to be only big brands, so unless you you had fifty grand to to, to put on a on an advertising campaign and your name was McDonald's or Acura yeah. or you know Starbucks or an airline, uh, they didn't want to talk to you. So initially it was that, but there was a that pivot point where not only I was hearing Spotify advertising for for their own like subscribe to premium kind of advertising, it was also local businesses. So I was all of a sudden I was hearing not just McDonald's and Starbucks, I was hearing uh, the, a local bike shop that was advertising. So I was like, mm, okay, something has changed now. Some something is more accessible accessible yeah. for for local businesses. So I started investigating that, and that's that was at the same time that I was getting more interested in copywriting and advertising and marketing. And uh, so I, I, I started digging that uh, to another level and I got in touch with Spotify and said, yeah, you can do, uh, we have a beta uh, launching and you can, you can do all, you know, you can use that platform to advertise on Spotify now. So you can choose what your message is, you know, you can upload your, your, your audio ad yourself. You, there, you, yeah. It's 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 a DIY kind of platform that you can use the same way you're doing that on Facebook if you want to, or you can hire an right. agency that does that for you. Um, so I said, well, okay, that's a that's an opportunity for me to to push that and try to find companies and and businesses that might benefit from this uh, this platform to advertise. And it, still to this day, it's a very underused and overlooked platform because. It's such an intimate experience. It's such an intimate um, space where people don't talk about Spotify on a daily basis. It's it's very unique to you. You build your own playlist. You build your own. It's a very. Uh, I don't. I don't. I cannot find a better way to say it. it's a very intimate uh, channel. Really? It's personal. Uh, people don't to you. talk about Spotify. They don't. They talk about Facebook. They talk about funny dog videos and they share but you can't really share anything organically on 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 spotify you can add friends and you can see what they're listening to but that's pretty much it and it's still very you're still very removed from uh the social component when you're on spotify and that's probably why uh companies are not thinking about advertising there but there's a tremendous opportunity and it's very very cheap at the moment but no one does it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that but that's where you found uh you found a, a amazing gap in the market man uh people are not exploiting this people are i've never even heard of it before i mean i knew about the ads but i was just on the consuming end just like well i'm just i'm not even gonna i don't care but what you don't realize is you have to listen to it so you're subtly being programmed to potentially even become a customer for this product. Mm. So if I'm a business or brand right now, why would I not be using this as a medium when there's so much noise on all those other social media uh, platforms that, and, and you put it so eloquently, like people are just scrolling past it. Right. You've We've become, it's like watching TV and, and watching something on regular 
cable programming and an ad that commercials come on, how much are you really paying attention to those as opposed to something as intimate as Spotify, which is you're quite literally, it's in your ears here. You have to listen to this, whatever, 15, 30 second ad. And, and, you know, oh yeah, well, you know what? I might actually, yeah, I I actually kind of did need this product or you know what? That that's, yeah, it's crazy. How did they know that I, I needed this? Yeah. You know, I might, yeah, I might actually buy this product or try this service. And then, you know, what, what blew my mind about your whole service is, you know, you're able to get it down to like very nitty gritty demographic information. So if you're, if you're a business in Ottawa, I think you said a donut shop, for example, or something like that, right. you know, you're able to target consumers on a very uh, pinpointed basis to make sure that your ads are not only uh, you know hitting the people you want to, but are efficient at doing that. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a that's a new trend, right? Um, you go back to 10, 15 years ago, and people were even talking about digital advertising or digital marketing. Uh, it came about with the uh, with Facebook and Instagram and and Google, where you're more efficient at serving the right ad to the right people because you have right. data to back it up and you say, well, okay, I'm not going to serve this ad to someone who's not relevant to my campaign. And we we fell in love with this uh, this this process and this uh, the, the the technology behind that because all of a sudden. Um, you're you're spending dollars where it really matters, and you should, and that's one way. It's called performance marketing, and and digital marketing, and but this space is getting more crowded. You mentioned it um, to such a point where I cannot remember any ads that I've seen on on Facebook uh, today, and it doesn't have the same uh, long lasting impression. Um, right. Just because the nature of. Uh, Again, because I scrolled 300 feet of timeline on Facebook every day, and I've I've become more immune to the the ads that I see there. It's blending in, and it's noisy, and I see everything, and uh, uh, that is not necessarily related to that. But with yeah. with Spotify advertising, your ad is there for 30 seconds, and people cannot skip it. Like you watch five seconds on on YouTube, then you can skip. Um, the ad uh, same for Facebook it can be a fraction of a second and Facebook is still going to charge you that three or four cents or sometimes it, when people start clicking then it's 250 yeah. it's five dollars it's ten dollars uh, on on Google because you're so targeted to the right people that you want to have that it's an auction and Google says well I'm going to charge you ten dollars because your competitor is offering uh, eight but if the competitor is offering 15 for that same spot Google wants to make money. Facebook wants to make money. So the the price is going up, uh, as you know, it's getting it's getting up and up. And one thing that's unique about that is you're almost democratizing it. And and this, a, a company like Spotify is basically allowing businesses with a very little investment, quite frankly, to get to actually be up there with the big guys and command some of that real estate. And so that's a very powerful thing. And, you know, I'm excited to use your service. Like, I, I'm very excited to use it for podcasting. And I think a lot of people out there should be using it as well. And um, 
you know, another thing that, you know, this has kind of led me, uh, you know, to to think more about as a as a podcaster, as someone who, you know, by no means am I anywhere near the expert you are in, in your space, but as someone who has been podcasting for almost a year now, you know, exploring the power of, you know, as a consumer, I listen to a lot of podcasts and having the endorsement of a host uh, talk about a product or something that they care about means so much more to me than just some random, you know, uh, um, I'm trying to look for the right word for it, but boring, plain ad that has no personality, has no connection, no intimacy, um, you know, what's going to work more and i could i could tell you i have bought products i've used discount codes i have identified a lot more with things that i hear on a podcast with somebody i trust Mm -hmm. and so i think we're just seeing the beginning of that being actually um actually you know utilized right you're absolutely right because uh, a podcast is a very um is a very interesting animal because you're building a relationship, a one-way relationship with a host usually. And if you're there for quite some time, uh, that person almost becomes your friend. Whether uh, It's funny because it's, it's only one way, but you're building trust with that person. You're building rapport. It's a one-way rapport, but it's still, you're, if, you're, if you're allocating so much time in a week to to listen to podcasts so it's 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 it becomes almost a ritual then automatically you're you're giving that person not only your time but your trust as well so when they say right. i've tried this product there's this instant um uh, vetting process almost. that is the validation oh, okay. you said yeah exactly that is happening mm-hmm. where you don't need to be researching for a if you're listening for it to to a, a photography podcast and they recommend that lens guess what you know you're gonna go for that lens so hell yeah so it's and, like your buddy telling you hey exactly wh- why don't you why don't you check this thing out you're way more likely to check it out than if some absolute stranger does and you know i'm sure we could sit here and just talk about just that right there for hours but there's one thing i slightly disagree with what you said uh, I don't think the podcast listener relationship has to be one way. Mm. I do think that it can it, it can be even taken one step further. And a lot of people are now, uh, I don't want to use the word exploiting, but y- utilizing that to actually build a two-way relationship with their fans. And so, you know, this doesn't apply to somebody like Joe Rogan, who's got, you know, something like 200 million downloads a month. It's, it would be physically impossible for him to reach out and connect with his fans on a one-by-one basis. But for a lot of the smaller podcast creators, people like myself, who are just putting out content you know, at the very beginning of their podcasting journey, it's way more valuable to treat every listener and every person as a potential friend almost. And like, hey, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. You're now... You've given me this however long we've been recording, almost an hour now. Um, you've given me this hour of your time. What, what can I give you? Like, what, what can I give you back? Or what, could, what do you want to, you know, then 
give me it's a it doesn't have to be i'd hate to put it in a way where it's like that transactional it doesn't have to be a gross thing mm. but it's just like we're exchanging ideas yeah. if nothing else so if you reach out to me you know it can be through any medium a tweet uh an email you know if you're a closer friend of mine and you have my cell phone uh, number and you text me, yo, I love I love that part on Charles' podcast where you're talking right. about a two-way relationship. That's real. That's yeah. very much a real connection. And that's something that, you know, in the world we're living in today where, you know, I can't, I can't come to your apartment. You can't come to mine right now. We're still very much connecting. We're still very much creating content and putting something out for the world. And, you know... It excites me that we're just at the very beginning stages of figuring these mediums out. Right. But but how many people are going to listen to podcasts that are never going to interact with you whatsoever? Um, a lot. Yeah, that's what I uh, meant. I mean, I'm the interviewee today and I'm, gr I'm very glad to be uh, on this end of the podcast. Uh, the reality is that not everybody's going to engage in that. And I, I, I know that, you know, eventually... As po as a podcaster, the the ultimate goal is to try to impact people's lives, and it's it's great to have feedback when that feedback is available. Right. But not everybody's still comfortable um, interacting with the, the. Sometimes people feel just intimidated by reaching out to the host because they have this. They they've built that reputation. They have three, five, six hundred uh, hundred episodes in, or. 2000 like john lee dumas i would never call john lee dumas uh maybe i would but i probably won't um because uh you know it's uh it's intimidating and what would i say to him and you know it's my own obstacles probably fair uh, enough that, that but then you know then you, you're also getting into then uh putting somebody almost on a pedestal and and creating a celebrity aura around mm. them when at the end of the day we're all just human beings right if i if i if i bumped into one of my idols one of my the people uh, on the podcast that i consume and i have the very much have that one-way relationship with them if i bumped into them or if i sent them a message on linkedin or if i somehow got through to them and was able to have a dialogue it all just changed. And that's something you have to want. And that's you know, the, we're, we're getting, you know, kind of off track. But yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying and that it's a very powerful one way medium, but it doesn't have to be. Right. I think that you could break that barrier. Uh, you know, I've met so many people through this podcast and, and who have started out as fans of the podcast that. I, all other things equal, I would not have met these people. They probably right. would not be in, in my life. It, it's, it, it, it can be two-way, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not it, Obviously, if, if it blows up and I'm getting millions of views, yeah, you know, there's, if you're that's going to be tough. If you're going to be the next Gary V, you won't be able to answer all the texters. <laughs> oh, but even Gary V, he's got a texting platform I know. that he, he sends out individual texts to people, even though it's a bot that's sending them all out to all these people. Right. But he's 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 creating that intimacy with the, let's say, if he sends out 50 actual texts in a day. Those 50 people now are going to be Gary V super fans for life because he responded to my text Absolutely. this person that i put up on a pedestal anyways 
we're, we're getting uh, we're getting uh, off off course here i've been loving this conversation we do have to wrap it up soon but I, i wanted to ask you a few more things kind of on a personal um level what are some things because you've got so many things going on you know you, you're 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 very much got you're wearing many hats in life right. uh to say the least how do you stay grounded how do you stay on track and you know keep a routine and admits all this i think until recently i was doing without even knowing it i was doing what uh what gary v is preaching when he says taste everything everything so i was kind of doing it on my own i was exploring and i i i've never wanted to set a limit and that's that's my boundary and that's i should not explore any further or try something else which could be in the long run something that is a bad decision or it could be a good decision but it you learn so much by by doing that and i think now i'm i'm I, there's only so many hours in a day so i need to f focus on what i really want to expand and right now it's that business of 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 the 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 audio digital uh advertising platform and um service done for you service that i i've created um And yeah, I have less time for music. I don't have, I haven't flown an aircraft in a couple of years now. And, but that's a choice that I'm ready to make to make that happen and go, go contrary to what uh, your podcast is about and go deep. <laughs> in, Sometimes you gotta go deep, man. <laughs> exactly. One meter, one meter wide and one kilometer down. And uh, I, I love that. That's just, that's what's happening right now. I, I, Of course, I'm going to still taste bites in here and there and try to do um, explore in in that right. in, in that air, air arena. But um, I just need to be more deliberate and focus more on on these activities. Well, I think it's fair that you have tasted a couple things. You have tried a few things, and it, it wasn't that you know you just woke up one day when you were seven uh, and said, "I'm going to only do this one thing." and Get the blinders on, tunnel vision, I'm doing nothing else. You've tasted and, and explored a lot. Kind of my next question follow, following up to that is for, you know, now that you are, you have kind of found something that you want to focus on, what's something you, you kind of do every day or most days of the week to sharpen your sword? Um, things have changed so dramatically uh, recently yeah. because of the COVID uh, situation. So um, I'm now on a rot uh, I'm on a rotation schedule. Um, so I'm two weeks on, two weeks off at the uh, at, at, as as my job uh, as a senior officer in the Royal Canadian Air Force, work in Ottawa, obviously, and uh, so that gives me some time to build and work on the business and in the business as well. Mm -hmm. um, So tasks that I would normally delegate to, to, to other freelancers that are working with me, I can own these tasks a little bit more and just be more deliberate into, into calling um, uh, the clients and uh, developing the, 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 doing the, all this business development on my own rather than uh, delegate some of these tasks to my, to my team. So I uh, love it, man. Yeah. No, that's a, that's super exciting, and and uh, I'm so glad to have met you because I have a lot I can learn from you and have been learning from you. Uh, you know, uh, you've you've taught me some very valuable things already in the in the you know couple months we've we've known each other. I've learned so much, so much 
just from our chats, just from, you know, you taking the time to, you know, for people who are listening, Charles taught me Adobe Audition in like a couple hours the other day. <laughs> Absolute beast. Absolute. Like he knows, he's not just talking about knowing audio stuff. He knows it in and out. So anyone hit this guy up if you're, if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to uh, grow your business through through marketing, if you're trying to just talk to someone about audio, he will genuinely lend an ear and, and chat with you about it. I, I can confidently say that. Uh, we do have to wrap this podcast up, Charles. This has been amazing. I know I'm going to have you back on. We're, we're going to continue this dialogue. Um, before, uh, before I dive into our lightning round, uh, which is just going to be five quick questions. Is there anything I I, I re- really missed in, in our chat today that you really do want to bring up? I want to say to all the business owners and all the um, the uh, the brands out there and people seems to have forgot, forgotten what a brand is, but, uh, you know, it's it's okay to focus on, on short-term goals, but it's also a wonderful thing to focus on on long on long-term uh, relationships with your your audience and people who are believing in your mission and not just aim for the sale today but aim for the sale tomorrow or a month from now just don't give up on these people and one way to do it is to engage a dialogue with them and not just focus on 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 advertising that uh, that will generate a result today try to give them that that long-term engagement one might even say they should start a podcast yeah of course of course (laughs) love it love it that's that's great advice all right so charles just to go into our lightning round and wrap up this podcast what are three podcasts you listen to it's not that deep Uh, i love it uh the gary v audio experience and the eMarketer, uh, it's called uh, Behind the Numbers by eMarketer. Love it. What's one of the biggest uh, copywriting uh, secrets that you've learned? Oh, my God. Speak in, uh, write in the way that people speak. Love it. What's one of your favorite restaurants in the Ottawa Gatineau area? They're all closed. <laughs> um, it's a uh, it's it's a tiny Lebanese restaurant. It's uh, right downtown. It's only open between eleven to two p.m. Uh, eleven a.m. to two p.m. weekdays only. It's really for people who are working downtown. And it's called uh, it's called Fatouche Lady on Albert Love Street. It. If you could uh, get the contract to narrate any TV show you would want, what would it be? TV show. Yeah, like a TV show or uh, gosh. I haven't really thought of that. Um maybe voiceover for documentaries uh on the BBC, but they probably are saturated with voiceover artists already. Love it. Uh and and final question, how would you like to be remembered? Uh so cliche, but I think it's uh <laughs> to be remembered that I gave more than I took and that's borrowed from Gary V not because <laughs> I think it's so true and so many people could benefit from doing that I love it man thank you so much for coming on the podcast I, I know you've got to go quickly shout out your website so where people can find you it's airtraffic.me airtraffic.me I love it man thanks so much for coming on the podcast just remember it's not that deep cheers cheers